Hey, what's up, people? Welcome to TikToks. This is the first episode featuring Merlin Schwertner from Nomos USA. My name is Jason Gallup, and I'll be your host for the TikToks moving forward. And last week, I had a chance to sit down with Merlin Schwertner. Merlin has a very unique perspective on Nomos Glasuta because he grew up with the company. He, in fact, is the founder's son. And from about the age of four and a half, the company was around him, led by his father. So please join me in this live presentation of Inside the Watchmaker's Studio as we spoke last Wednesday, November 1st, to Merlin in front of a very nice audience that uh, came along to hear him speak and have some questions for him at the very end. So please enjoy. So um, without any further ado, thank you very much for coming. Many of you have taken uh, time out tonight, but it's at least warmer in here than it is outside. Uh, tonight, this talk um, is going to be sort of a, a conversation uh, between myself and Merlin Schwertner. Um, subsequent talks in the TikToks are going to be personalities and a combination of uh, information and knowledge. So uh, we'll be doing a Watch 101 moving into the future uh, as well, so you can find out a little bit about what goes behind uh, watchmaking, what its history is, and what you should look for when buying watches, all that kind of cool stuff. Uh, but tonight we're, we're, we're going to focus on, on Merlin because uh, I asked Merlin uh, uh, Schwertner to come and do this because he has a very, very unique point of view uh, in the industry. Uh, Merlin is um, the son of uh, Roland Schwertner, who is the founder of Nomos. So being a founder's son, is an interesting position, and uh, and it, it poses some some interesting questions. Uh, so you can find out a little bit more about the depth of, of Nomos uh, from his perspective. So I'd like to introduce you to Merlin, and we'll get started. Hi. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah, okay, so uh, before we get started, because I, I noticed the acoustic maybe, um, especially we probably as long as we speak, the lower we're going to speak. If you guys want to move up or move closer, because I think non we have some space still. If you want, feel free. Uh, and if we see that we're lowering our voices, just kind of throw us something or something and we get a little louder. Other than that, yeah, that's from my side. Excellent. Okay, and what we're going to do is we'll, we'll go through um, a series of... Uh, uh, questions of, that we've got, and um, and then at the end there's going to be an open Q and A. So you may the, the conversation may spark some some ideas and some questions, but hold off until the end, and then we'll come around and uh, and then sort of uh, finish it all up with uh, with that. Okay, perfect, excellent. So Merlin, we've known each other for uh, for a little while now. We yeah. we met for the first time in Basel uh, when uh, I approached you about uh, an interest in in Nomos uh, for many different reasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, here we are today with with quite a nice um, quite a nice group of people. Uh, some of the some of our friends here have actually uh, bought watches, uh, uh, Nomos watches. So so I think there's a, a fair number in here uh, that are doing that. So. When, when I first met you, um, I had an idea in my mind of what Glasshooter was or is. And I think it's more historic than it was modern. And uh, I think that's, 
that's the tail that, that Glass Hooter is. So tell us tell us a little bit about Glass Hooter and its history. It's um, well, the, that is a good approach because you have uh, in Glass Hooter you have kind of thing you have both things. It's you have a very historical and and the background of it, but also what's going on now, which is kind of the modern take or modern changes that are taking place in Glass Hooter. And from the history perspective, you have to know that it's in watchmaking there started in 1845 so it has a long tradition of over 170 years of watchmaking but different to like other in other uh, places or other countries we had a let's say um, a ruffled history because we had the first world war we had the second world war and then uh, Glashütte is in the eastern part of Germany so for a long time you didn't hear that much about Glashütte or German watchmaking by itself and that all changed now in the 90s when the wall fell and all these companies have been coming back to life some of them very historical and some of them very new like Nomos so you have a kind of getting back the old tradition as well as the um, kind of new points and technology that has been researched fairly recently. So you're not from Glashütte, though? <laughs> no, I'm a, a, I would say I'm a, a German born in Spain. So I'm a, I'm a blend, and now I'm living in New York, uh, getting Americanized. So I have both, have both options. <laughs> so when you were growing up, you didn't, you didn't really have a, a watch influence, necessarily? Um, not per se, because I, I kind of my father always uh, teached me and, and, and like gave me an insight, but not a forceful. Like, you know, sometimes they force you to, parents that force you to go a certain way. My father gave me always the liberty for it. So um, I can't, it was always a constant in my life without being uh, a must, so to say. So when you were growing up, um, what what did you imagine yourself being? What did you want to be when you were a kid? Uh, uh, that changes, I guess. It changes with with different different stages that you are in. Um, I'm I'm a history buff, so I liked archaeology a lot. Um, then, um, I, uh, after high school, I, I kind of went to law, criminal law. That was very interesting for me. And while doing that, I discovered more and more of the watch industry. And then I moved into the into watch industry. So that was that part. So how long have you been a part of the company? Um, officially or unofficially? Because um, inofficially, officially. <laughs> uh, inofficially, the company was found when I was four and a half years old. So since then, I like walked around with watchmaker benches and like played with little parts or or annoyed the IT guy to program me a computer game in the company or something like that. Yeah. Um, and and then when I was kind of growing up, I always accompanied the company during fairs. So like watch fairs or projects that I could do while in university so that I got to learn more and more about the, the industry itself and if I would like that. So I started working 2003, 2004. Okay. And, and then officially like uh, 2011. So what was your first job in the company? Mm, coffee maker, I would say, uh, doing coffees and helping out. Um, and then when I started after university, I did a trainee. That's like, was like my official, so that I went through all the different stages. Okay. So, what was within <coughs> Nomos? What yeah. was your first watch? Which was the watch that, that uh, struck you that you wanted to put on your wrist? Um, I went on a travel with my father to to Taiwan, and then he and it was to kind of launch Nomos also in in, in Taiwan and Asia, and he borrowed uh, he lent lent yeah. bor- bor- he borrowed me um, a Tangente, one of the first ones, for two weeks, and then he took it back from me because he said, "Now you're not old enough." Yeah. So, <laughs> so my first one was when I was 18, and it was a Tangente Power Reserve and Date yeah. because that was in '98, and and that's when we no, it was in 2003, and that was when we launched our first um, patented movement with a date and a power reserve. So I got number 18. Oh, so okay, nice. <laughs> excellent. So. What was the first watch you actually remember wearing? Do you have a, 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 a real memory of? 
Um, for normal, so it would be that no, one. Any, um, any watch. And my first watch was in Germany. We have a tradition. I don't know if you have that in Canada. It's uh, for Easter. We have an Easter bunny, and he like you hide chocolate in the in the garden and stuff. And then on one tree branch, there was a watch. So, <laughs> so it was a swatch. I can say it. It was a swatch. So, all red, and it had um, black dial and date. So, it was blue hands? No. Um, luminescent. Oh, okay. Cool. Still have. <laughs> Was there a watch influence in your young life other than necessarily your father? Uh, not, not really, because I, I grew up in the countryside, so time didn't didn't really matter that much. And you had, I grew up in Spain, so every 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 city has like, or every town has a little uh, church and a, and a bell. So you always have that as timing. Yeah. Um, and then I got kind of grew up with um, with watchmaking in the background. So when I would visit my father, I would see how how the watchmakers would do and work on it so I more than the concept of time I learned about like what the work it takes to do it that's what I learned so with all this watch stuff surrounding you in your young life how did you get outside of it what what were your passions outside of, of that um, because it was always parallel, I was never really inside. Okay. So it was something that would always accompany during my life. I was just doing my stuff, and, and that was always there. So I grew up without but that being always present. But since it wasn't a must, it was always kind of parallel. Yeah. So it was not until I, I worked in a uh, retail store in Switzerland as a as a training, and and saw all these timepieces and saw all these different people come together for something that they like and maybe they wouldn't talk to each other on another situation, but they all shared that love for timepieces, and and through that I kind of learned to appreciate more what's behind. Are you a big hiker, water sports kind of guy? Any sport, any, any sport. sport except like hunting and fishing. Okay. But, um, but uh, other than that, I do any any sport I can. Okay. You haven't been up to uh, Whistler yet, though, to ski. No, no. Unfortunately, like just yesterday, I got my first Vancouver tour with Jason, uh, because usually I always travel to these places, which is cool. And but I don't get to see more than airports and inside of stores or malls. No. <laughs> That. What would you say are three things on your bucket list of, a, of things you'd like to do? Um, it, it also goes in phases, especially now where I travel that much. But like I said, I travel without getting a real experience of it. I, I would love to like have more time to enjoy that. So um, I love sailing, so I would really love to sail like across the Atlantic or like do like a more extensive experience of that. Um, lately, a friend of mine is is a lot in Mongolia, so I would love to do that. Um, like like adventure travels. That's kind of yeah. at the moment my focus for my bucket list. So all in the travel realm. Yeah, at the moment. Probably after doing that, then I'm like more on a stationary <laughs> option. So hence the belt site you're wearing. Yeah, at the moment, yeah. That's the one I use the most. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you weren't with um, Nomos, what do you think he'd be doing? You know, when you're doing something that you like, you never you never consider doing something different. Um, but if I would be, I, I grew up in Spain on a little island. So either you really want to get away from that island, which now I really managed, or you want to stay stay there. So I probably would do something on that island, like to make it known. Or since I'm a history buff, maybe something related to that. So, so it's an interesting thing that, that you grew up... Um, in Spain, the company's in, in Germany, in Eastern Germany, and so your dad's a, a pretty dynamic guy. He's obviously traveled quite a bit. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your dad and what drives him. Well, besides of him sending me to exile now, because he sent me to, <laughs> to the States, um, he's always been 
very active and many different interests and, and, and projects that he would follow. So that has, has kept him going always. And if you would ask him about Nomos, he would say, oh yeah, I started this and I wanted to do this for five years and then do something else. But that now, 27 years later, he, he still focused and discovers how much you can do with Nomos and, and the potential that it gives him. So he keeps on with that. I'm going, to, I'm going to draw back to something you uh, let me know a, uh, a little bit earlier. Now, he wasn't in the watch industry to begin with. No, nope, no, he's uh, not a watchmaker. He's either. not a watchmaker. <laughs> so so how, how did he actually go on? The, what was this journey through into, into watchmaking? Um, so the journey is long, but he, he ended up in the 80s doing, doing uh, consulting, and he was doing different consulting projects, and one of them was for a German company that was M&M, and they were doing um, quartz watches at the time, and they were thinking, because it was late 80s, to go back into mechanics, and then he said, if you're a German company, you have to do it in Glasute, because we, he knew about Glasute, because we had some of our family that was from that region, so when he traveled there, he knew that watchmaking is kind of the thing in Glasuta and that it's so known and that's why he said that but given that it was 89 so the Russians were going crazy nobody knew what was going to happen and and then he said all right then I'll do the project myself and that's how it started so at that time he was a photographer too yeah yeah he was a fashion photographer and and consultant at the same time so that he actually could pay for the travels to go to Spain back and forth yeah so that's, pr- that's pretty interesting because from a business point of view, he, he had a fairly, a fairly strict linear uh, accounting background. And then he also had a side of him that was very creative yep. uh, in the photography. So drifting into to watchmaking, I don't think was, was really too much of a stretch other than the fact that watchmaking is, is an unusual thing to get into. Well, more than the watchmaking itself, so the, the linear helped him to understand the mechanics that are behind it. But, um, but you have to combine the visuals with it. So it has to kind of look attractive and be, uh, be a good, timeless product. But at the same time, it has to work from the mechanic perspective. So he had, um, knowing both, he could combine it. So that was kind of his more knowledgeable wise. So having this diverse background, must make for a very interesting company because the watches are are really quite unique in many ways. It, uh, I've I've often turned them turned them in in a in a very uh, friendly way as being quirky. <laughs> so so there's there's a lot of there's a lot of him in in the watches themselves. I think so. The culture must must revolve around that within the company. So tell us a little bit about what it what the culture is like within the company and what it's like to actually work there. So I think one of the the things that I learned also from my father is that he he's able to combine people. Like he he gets he gets uh, a lot of people on, on to the table and all of them have different aspects and what our company kind of enables is that everybody kind of takes the projects on on a personal level so everybody's very involved and it's not so much kind of my father's company it's more about for everybody to get together and and really that's why we have so many employees that stay for so long and get involved and we feel responsible socially and 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 on a long term uh, for their development to to be involved in the company and I think that you can read that when you visit Nomos you see a lot of young people and and they're all involved on a on a very individual personal level so yeah. that that's maybe the biggest difference I've been in I've been in watchmaking most of my life um, and I've, I've stepped out a little bit and I've seen different companies, different companies operate, and the people are, are um, a very, very important part of uh, of the dynamic and and the product itself in 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 the end. So, do you think that that Nomos is has a, a special recipe? Do you think it's a little bit different to the norm? Um, of course, I'm. I'm... You would say I have blinders on in my sense, and I'm not that objective, maybe. But um, 
I would say so. It's it's not not a secret. It's pretty open. We are we are very open as a company. Everybody can come and see it. We we do have internships uh, for people to come and work for the company like for two weeks. And as long as they bring an idea to Glashütte, that connects it to the outside world. Um, but I think it's it's just that we're so open and, and give so many opportunities that really creates that ambient. So right right now, Nomos is has has grown quite a bit. How many how many employees are there? Mm, we started with two and a half. And and well one was part-time. <laughs> I wasn't counting me. I was more like a quarter. But it's um, yeah, because the half was a very old time employee. Uh, he was retired, but he was a watchmaker and he taught our young watchmakers so he brought the know-how that we had back to the company and uh, now we have like 300 almost 315 and so it was a steady growth not as much as you would expect in today's world with IT and everything going on but it's uh, we are now the biggest manufacturer of mechanical movements in Germany so we made that so you don't just go from two and a half to to 300 in a snap. No. There must have been some milestones along the way. So uh, yeah. Can you can you give us some insights into some of the uh, milestones? Well, of course, I can tell you more about the later ones because I was part of it and I can see it. But looking back, um, the biggest one was actually doing the watches because well, the company was founded in the early 90s, but the first watches were not out until 92. So that's two years of working and actually doing everything that's possible to generate those models that today still are the ones in our collection. Um, I think then the next steps are when we started modifying the movements, when we started doing our own, um, when we did our patent. So all those are different milestones. Um, for me, the biggest milestone is when we get more known. So that in the last like 15 years that we've been expanding more internationally, or the last three years where we've been in North America and being more known. That is kind of what I like the most, that if I go to a TSA agent in the US, they already know the brand. That's like something that's a recognition right there. So, patents and innovation. Yeah. So we'll get into a little bit of that because there's some interesting stuff there. Mm -hmm. But just scraping off the, the, the top, taking the, the cheese curds off, um, What's the what's the biggest patent that you have that mo not more what, excuse me not many people actually know about is there one that, that you can sort of uh, well, that comes to mind well we patent we hold uh, officially we hold two big patents and those are for the movement modifications as a power reserve and the date um, because they're integrated in the movement so that they keep it all as thin as possible that is the biggest ones um, and then the way we do maybe the recognitions we just got ISO certified ISO 9001 so that's a big recognition of our systems um, and our um, for example work together with Doctors Without Borders or something but those are not on a technical level it's more of a social scale excellent now this, this I guess this question points out to uh, to most of the people here because <laughs> because there's a sampling here of, of this next question, but who's drawn to Nomos and why? I I can only speak for who I hope is drawn to Nomos. So it's it's about kind of an understated um, feeling about the watches that you know what you're what you're getting with that product without wanting it to show too much, um, and it's about kind of a beauty in. In, with not too many elements, so the idea of, of Bauhaus in the sense that less is more, and for the quality. So that is kind of what we want with that. Nomos is, is very new to Vancouver. Yeah. And uh, I think uh, this, this is a, a really good sample of, of the kind of people that, that really do like this watch, though. Um, I guess, I guess my question is, um, who else out there do you think might be interested in, in Nomos that these people can, can tell? What, what would typically be the demographic, really, a deeper demographic? Um, 
I, I wouldn't know really because it depends like you can see all ages really um, it starts it starts from when you're interested in in what nomo stands for and and nomo stands for for the design part that you see in it it stands for the mechanics it stands for what's behind the company and the more of a kind of a social value um, so anybody who's drawn to that and I don't think you can put an age tag on it or or a place that you're from it's more about values and if you can relate to those and if you like those with with most organizations now um, corporate um, social responsibility is a is a is a big a big part uh, of, of uh, who they are yeah. and the kind of people that that they attract so from Nomos's perspective, what is Nomos's uh, CSO? <coughs> um, the basic is we say if you have it, you kind of share it as well. So what we have is um, we do have programs within the company and then projects outside of the company. The main insight is we, we pay for public transportation. Uh, if we buy company cards, we look at the CO2 emission. If we we pay for education, we pay for, um, you say kindergarten here too? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> kindergarten um, and then, or even like the food. Like uh, we have our own canteen and we say we pay for the food as long as it uh, has a healthy component. Um, so not only Bratwurst or anything. Um, and then we have uh, projects outside of that, like Doctors Without Borders, that we cooperate with, or if we do limited editions, that sometimes that we can combine it locally, um, that we have projects that help outside of our community too. Tell us a little bit about Doctors Without Borders and how that started. So uh, Doctors Without Borders started, it's funny, it started with, um, it started with uh, actually they calling us and say, hey, you misused our name um, because we, we had a, in Germany, there's a similar to the Times in the States, it's the Spiegel and in the back it has a column where they correct like mistakes that they had and you can do a little story. So for months we had a little story in there and in one of them we mentioned Doctors Without Borders as relating to what our our values are and they were like oh, you misused it and you didn't tell us and we were like yeah but we like us like we like what you're doing so much so can, can we not do something together with you and that's how the corporation started with them because they're a very cool organization and helping a lot of different uh, projects in different countries. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, and I think, well, North America and Germany and the UK are the biggest like donors for this organization. And it's the only one that has never been uh, in any like uh, mis- mishappenings, like uh, transportation of wrong on health uh, trucks and something like that um, and they're doing an amazing job so it is also my bucket list to someday like work with them um, because you can't even do that without being a doctor so you can like be and help on different projects organizations are there any other projects like that that you may have coming up or uh, that you'd like to do um, well with them it was an ongoing project we did uh, different limited editions with them where each watch was a hundred dollars to doctors without board and it was 8,000 watches in total over different countries. So we spent more than a million dollars to Doctors Without Borders. More than Google in proportion, but I think that applies to everything. That's pretty cool. (laughs) So it was nice. So do you think that's that kind of stuff is a is an attractor to the employees that 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 want to work for uh, Nomos? Um, that, but also I think the biggest one is in Nomos you're not stuck in one project. It's not like you start at Nomos and you have to do that for the rest of your life. You can change projects and you can you can we like our last gift for Christmas was um, education. So we do many of our watchmakers have become engineers through working with Nomos so that you, then you work in a different position. Or watchmakers, after a while, they get tired or impatient of doing the little pieces and rather want to work on a different project. So that helps a lot. Plus, the, maybe the responsibility that we feel for it. It's not, it's not a big corporation where you're a number. Yeah. So that helps. That's actually very interesting because uh, when I started watchmaking, um, I... Uh, 
I worked for Rolex. There really wasn't that much like that that you could actually do. Once a bench watchmaker, always a bench watchmaker. So you were committing yourself to, to that job uh, pretty much for the rest of your life until you retired anyway. So, you know, I find this, I find this very, very interesting because I, I'm not too sure what it's like now in, in most other companies, whether they do that. Um, I know Switzerland is, is, is typically fairly, uh, uh, kind of has this railroad culture where, you know, you get on the car and that's where you sit. Um, you, may, you may drift around just a little bit within the company, maybe getting into a little bit more customer service, but it, it, uh, to actually become, get, be able to do some engineering, that, that's pretty amazing. Well, I think it also depends on, it's not only on the company culture, it also depends on, on the colleagues. Like, if you change within a company, you might, like, you're going to have to think if, are you going to be good at the next position or is that something that you actually like? So if the company offers you a position and, and the opportunity to try it out, then it doesn't mean that if it, you have to succeed at that or not. So you, I think the biggest thing that Nomos does, it encourages you to try it out. And if, if it doesn't work out, you can still, like, move back to your old position or try something new. It doesn't mean that after that it's failure. So I yeah. think that is the biggest component in that sense. <laughs> This may seem like a strange question, but uh, is there one particular job in the company that's the most sought after for people that would love, really love to do? I don't think so. Maybe it's yours. No, no, I don't, I don't think that either. Uh, there, were, there weren't that many volunteers to go over. <laughs> but, um, it's, I think it, it depends on the type. So there are some jobs and I wouldn't, I wouldn't, like even if I want to try some of the jobs that I did as a trainee, I know that I wouldn't be as good at or I didn't want to do it all the time. So there are different positions for, for every kind of people that we can attract. We touched on a little bit earlier innovation. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit more, uh, about how Nomos actually innovates, because there's been, from my point of view, there's been um, a number of uh, watches that, that stick in my head. Number one is um, the, the collaboration with Mark Braun mm -hmm. um, on the Metro. And then Theodore Prenzel um, with um, with the neomatic movement. Mm -hmm. So, how, what is the what is the process for innovation, and and how do you innovate? So mainly we have two strings, or well, you could even say three. So we have an we have an internal one that says to innovation to to improve our company in the sense of what can we do for like team projects or something that to drive our our staff to be better and our colleagues to learn new things, or to be more environmental or like more efficient that is internal and that doesn't show as much as in the culture itself but uh, the two that show mainly is through design like what can we do with with our existing movements that gives it a new gives it a new perspective or a new visual from 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 the movement uh, in the case or on the dial that's the metro that you're talking about yeah so it was one of the newer models we launched it in 2014 and that watch was used because it had our patent, it had our uh, power reserve and our date with then a new technology, which was our swing system. Mm -hmm. And the swing system, you probably won't be able to see it from there, but I brought it and you can take a look later. It's, um, it's our hairspring. So it's thinner than your hair, so you probably can't see it, but it's the heart of the watch. So that was a technology that we were able to do ourselves. Or like you said with Theodore Prenzel, he worked for three years on a new movement that is as thin as nine stamps for example so that was a big innovation as well and and we always have to combine both so if you have a new movement what watch are you gonna build around that movement or if you have a new design what movement are you gonna put in it so and those things work always together Theodore um, I'm sure was within the watch industry already <laughs> 
and he got if I'm right we got him right off university okay so and as an engineer as an engineer he yeah. did his thesis on nomos so on and and part of the swing system was part of his uh, thesis so we, we we have a lot of engineers that we kind of combine their project with our company and yeah. then offer them to stay hopefully then they accept Mark Braun on the other hand was was certainly not from the watch industry he right. He, he he was he's a an industrial d designer yeah. yeah yeah so he's a product designer and and that's what we need too because we have our own design um, design kind of um, company and we need that platform to get new fresh ideas in it well well we also hire people from university for our uh, engineering process for for the watches we need fresh ideas that are from outside so that we kind of get a new vibe and a new new kind of yeah version of it you touched on your design company yeah the berliner blau mm -hmm. the, blue, the blue from berlin <laughs> how did that actually uh, come to be so uh, the main thing is you you cannot get a watchmaker out of glasshütte uh, and you cannot get a designer to glasses. <laughs> so we kind of had to find a, a balance where we get new ideas. And the best place for that in Germany is Berlin because you have you have all this input, like Sony moved there, uh, music industry moved there, uh, a lot of art, a lot of uh, different designers. So you have kind of a melting pot of ideas. And... And we, we did kind of a platform for independent uh, collaborations. So we, we did that in Berlin. And after a while, it became so big that we kind of made it an own company. And we have now 35 employees that are always there. And only with one customer, which is Nomos. But they do everything that's around Nomos. So even even literature, they, do, they did a, an encyclopedia with all around Nomos. So that you have things like that. We even did a magazine. Uh, number one was places where nobody wants to travel to, and number one was Glashütte. So, <laughs> so we had different things, and I think we printed like fifty thousand copies. So it was nice. Why wouldn't anybody want to go to uh, Glashütte? It's such a, a, a picturesque place. Yes, uh, and it got more picturesque now. But this was two thousand two. Uh, and you have to, it's Eastern Germany, so it, it was very grayish area and it, there's not much going on, still not now. There's no hotel, there are two restaurants, which you can go between 12 and two because after that it's closed. Uh, so there's, there's not much. It's more of, um, in, in Germany we say Schrebergarten, uh, which I don't know if, uh, a different, difficult to translate, but it's, um, it's a culture where everybody has this house and then they have like a little, Ah, like a, a place where they can grow vegetables or something so they have a little house they also like a garden house maybe so it's more of a backyard community and you don't tap into that very easily so I lived there for two and a half years and I don't have that many people that I can still call you guys have the train station <laughs> yes that too that where did have. that come to be um, well, Glashütte is in a valley, so you don't have that many options to build stuff. Uh, you have to use what's there. And, and the railway station was such a nice emblematic building. It's right in the center. Um, and we kind of remodeled it and uh, made it look more modern. So actually, I think uh, I'll have it in the catalog. So you'll see a picture. Jeez. You were able to take over the train station because people didn't want to travel there by train. <laughs> it was just a no-go zone. <laughs> no, well, the, the train still works, but it only goes once once an hour. So okay. it's not that much, and it's only regional. So only, like, kids use it to go to school or, like, people use it to go to Blasuta to work, and we pay for the ticket. <laughs> All right. Let's step back a little bit again. Um, when was the decision made to, and why was it made to make in-house movements? Why didn't you carry on with, with uh, movements made by other companies? Uh, I don't think it's a decision that has to be made because either you're a watchmaker or you're not. So it was more of an idea of when will we be able to do them. So it's uh, from an idea like our father, my father was always, um, he always wanted to do it. 
It's just a question of when you're able to. So you have to build yourself in that direction. And that's, that's a part of our DNA too, that we always want to know how to do it so that we control the quality. We, we can guarantee that our prices remain the way they are. So that's why it, it was a given. It was just a question of when. Are you vertically integrated? Like, how vertically integrated are you? Uh, 95%. So, almost more. But um, it, it's talking on the movement. We are a movement manufacturer. So, we do everything that we can around the movement. We don't do the rubies. We don't do the glue. We don't do the metal. But uh, anything else that we can do, we learn how to. So, how do you decide what to make? So, going back to Berliner Blau, which is uh, the design the design center for Nomos, how do they make decisions? Say, you've got a lot of creative people uh, yeah. in a, in a, in a room at any one time. Yeah, creative people are, are you know, creative. They they have nothing but thoughts and ideas, and a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, uh, how how? Who pulls it all together and how do you decide that one particular thing is what you're going to run with? Like, for example, the, um, uh, the, new, the new dials uh, for the um, uh, for Silver work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's both. Not only, not only we have our designers having ideas, we also have the engineers. So sometimes we would have an engineer coming and, and say, oh, look, I have this idea. And you're like, yeah, but what am I going to do with that? Or, or how am I going to integrate that in a, in a watch? Or how can I then combine it with a design? So you have to make a decision of when it's the right time. Like our gold pieces, for example, we had the know-how for a long time, but we didn't launch them until much later. Uh, And the same for the design. Sometimes you have the Metro as an example of... We had a draft, it looked amazing, it, 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 it standed for everything we wanted, kind of classic and modern, and, and it combined that movement that we wanted. So it was a perfect fit, and within almost months we had, we had a watch. And other ones, they're still in the drawer because we're still like tweaking and, and making it right. And, and sometimes an idea from three years ago may look much different now than it was looking back then. So you have to combine it, you have to see how the feedback would be. Is it a democratic process? Definitely. Yeah. It has to be. So if you have uh, two colors of yellow, how do you decide <laughs> that, <laughs> what the that, dial is going to be? That's a harder question. But um, <laughs> so, so the fun thing is uh, Nomos, it's we have Berliner Blau, which is a design company, which its own CEO, which is uh, doing the trade marketing and the idea where the brand stands. And then we have another one that is Nomos Glasute, which does all the, well, the production of it. And then still my father's kind of between both. So it's more of a process of those three kind of getting together. Does he have the final say? Depends. Depends. It's democratic, so it's, okay. it's it could be one to three, like one to two. It depends. Yeah. Okay. Um, when you decided to make uh, the swing system, mm-hmm. you said earlier on that you, it was just something that you kind of had to do. That's a very big undertaking. Yeah. It took us seven years to do it. So how... How, how was that prioritized? Because of, that you've got a lot of money that's involved with, with doing that. Yeah. You've got to have a lot of backing. You've got to be really, really sure that it's the right thing to do. Well, uh, sometimes you don't know it until it's finished, that it's the right one. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's kind of also the, the philosophy that drives us to know and to control that. So if we stand behind it, we have to invest in it too. Um, also, the, the swing system for, I don't know how techie you are, but the, the, the swing system, it's the heart of the watch. And there are only about five to six companies in the world that know how to do it. And there's one that, you know, it's a Swatch group and, and they control the market. So we speaking 2014, so we started way earlier uh, ahead of the curve because the, the industry was growing and growing and and there was the risk of, of not getting parts anymore. So you would be 
dependent on a company and and or the, the prices would increase or the quality would decrease you don't know so that's why the decision was taken much earlier in 2006 2007 to see how we can get there and and it's um, you work with together with different institutes you work together with different universities and then you have to combine the projects and make sure it works so that was the drive and like looking back now the industry is suffering a little bit so now parts are available again um, but still we we are now in a place where we control the quality if you ever put your watch in a wash machine or something then you still get the parts so that's important for us was it a difficult decision to make a gold watch no not not difficult it was just a question the 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 stomach ache that we had um, because we had gold watches for a long time but it was like parallel and we only did a few the um, the stomach age we had it was the same movement but then through the case it became much more expensive so we said if we're doing a gold watch we want to do it in in a new movement so we we had then the movement and then we said okay this movement is so special that we want to do it in a in a gold case and to give it the right fitting so now you have um, another gold model yeah. that's, that's just come out. The price point is uh, a little bit less, so it's, it's quite a bit more attractive. Um, if you were thinking about gold uh, in a watch to buy, and it's, it's stunning, I have to say. Thank you. It really is. Um, so you've... Nomos to me has always been a company that's being very, very fair to to its customers in trying to to offer the the, the highest quality product um, for the least amount. Well, a fair or reasonable, a, fair, a reasonable yeah. amount. So I think this is I think this is a fairly good a fairly good move on Nomos's part. And it has a it has a little accent to it because. Um, our watches this year become 25 years on the market. So it was kind of our small jubilee. We didn't celebrate it like other companies maybe do, but um, we wanted just to give a special watch with that idea. So as an option, if anybody was like considering it, it's a, it's a rose gold uh, Metro, and it's our first automatic with a gold movement, uh, with a gold case. So that was a little extra. We don't... What we're known for is our stainless steel, and that's what we continue doing. But as a little, like a, in Spain we say a dot on an I, like a little extra. What's Nomos achieved that you're most proud of? I, th I think the, the continuity that we have. It's what I like the most because you, you, you look at a Tangente from 92, and then you look at a Tangente now, and it hasn't. It hasn't changed that much except for the inside so that we're able to do all those parts and all those movements ourselves that is that is something that I'm, I'm really proud of and and that before I was flying myself like from Spain to Germany and I was flying alone on the plane and and, and they would ask me oh where are you going or something I'm like Glashütte and nobody Germans didn't know where Glashütte was so and that has changed now and that, that I like a lot so conversely, what are what are some of the uh, challenges? Is your dad a challenge working for your dad? Well, I think I can speak for everybody <laughs> that it's uh, not always easy working uh, with with uh, family, especially so close. But um, I like it because it, it brought us together in a way too. So and and of course sometimes what's frustrating with him is like already oh I have an idea or something and then he's, and I tell him or something and he's like already nine streets ahead and so I'm like just like still going behind so that that uh, that's something I can learn from him. Well, obviously he trusts you quite a bit because he's he's entrusted North America to you in some ways well always send me far ways. away so it depends <laughs> <laughs> it depends how you look at it but I think uh, yeah I, I think we can speak I mean we have a very close connection and we talk a lot to each other and that that's definitely something so is this has has North America been a challenge for you personally is it like when you when you uh, first got out there was it just like wow this is just too daunting like what were you what were your your thoughts when you got on that plane to come out to to north north america and start pioneering 
uh, no moss mm. here. I, I I was maybe I was lucky because it's um, it was a gradual process. So I I came uh, it's, I came before already, and like we, we gradually had grown some accounts already, so that uh, I came for trainings and got to see it. Plus. Um, I, I had an exchange here in the States already, so so I kind of know a little bit the, the States. Um, and kind of, a, I like a lot of things, and there are some things that maybe I don't agree that much. So but, you had an exchange. Um, what, yeah. did, what did you do? Uh, <laughs> I, I got sent to Pensacola, Florida. So I got to see, uh, that's like next to Alabama. So I got to see a lot of the states that, that maybe you don't see that much and definitely not in New York. Yeah. But um, I got to see both. So um, there are a lot of things that I like. And it's definitely a challenge because you, you, you talk about something and a product that you might like or you see, but, but you don't know anything about and maybe what I like so much in, in, in the States or Canada, that's a very open approach to it. Like people ask questions and they're not as biased or as close as maybe I could say for Europeans. So, yeah. Is it hard for a European company to, to do business in the US philosophically? <laughs> I don't think so. I, as long as as long as you have a good idea and a good approach, and and you're open about it, and you actually do what you're saying that you're doing, that's that's what everywhere people measure you by. So, if you stand by your word and 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 are behind it, I think actually maybe the like North America is even more open for new ideas, new business than Europe. Okay. What external forces? from your perspective uh, are challenging from for the industries in general what in general what's what do you think is is something that most watch companies need to look out for and what are they battling I can only speak for knows but uh, in from my perspective is how to keep a product that is fairly like today's with technology and everything, it's it's not needed for the technology it provides. It's not for the service that you want to watch. So you have to keep you have to keep a motive or um, a reason to make that attractive for you. That's that's the main, I think, challenge and and different approaches because it's not just about reading the time. It's it's about what's behind it too. So that's I think it's the main challenge. Where do you think the industry might be in 10 years? Where do you think Nomos might be in 10 years? Again, I can... Oh, <laughs> I, I can only... We had already Torion. We made it already. But it's... Um, I can only say where we would like us to be. And uh, again, I would like to see that continuity that we have. So uh, with the same values that we incorporate, um, hopefully with the same team that we have now, but with new people. Uh, additionally to it, not exchanging them, and and being more in new markets uh, that that people know us a little bit more and, and cherish the product as as is. So where would those new markets be? Well, definitely in North America because yeah. that's uh, kind of where where I, I see a continuity. I see some parallels to the values that we have. I cannot speak so much for Asia. I don't know the market as much, but I definitely see potential there. Um, and and Europe, of course, we, we're still only growing internationally in the last three years. So that's that's where I see kind of the more pull for us. Mm -hmm. So, tell us what's new. What 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 uh, what what's actually new with the product that that you've brought with you? So the same um, kind of the continuity that I'm saying for for the company itself. So you know I've seen. I've showed the new movement. It's uh, the new Neomatic, um, the DUW3001. Um, and what we provide with this is a, a thin, elegant, automatic movement. So that is what we wanted to provide in the new collection. And before, the watches that we had were kind of smaller because we wanted to show thin and, and how small we can be. Um, and the new watches, it's based really on the watches you've already seen. It's our classic, the Tangente, but as thin as possible, being automatic. So that's the main 
new release that we had, uh, larger size, and what I like the most. So I don't know if you can see it from where you're sitting, but it's a new dial. It's a it's a brushed silver dial, and the idea behind it is just to add a new visual for these watches. But because we're used to see watches that shoot you to the moon or going diving or whatever, which you can do on the weekends, but during the week you want to wear something that stands for the same, like the work that you're doing, the quality and and kind of the. We say more in Germany, we say more success shows through understatement. So that's kind of the idea that we had with these watches. But you can take a closer look in a second. So I have these. Here. So how many new pieces are there? Um, the pieces itself are, are the models that our collection is based off. So you have the Tangente, which is our first model that we had. We had the new Metro from Mark Brown. We have the Square, the Tetra. Um, and we have the Orion, which is the one with the domed uh, glass. So we have a few here for you to see. Yeah, the, um, the silver dial is, is stunning. Yeah, I really Especially like it. Especially on the Metro. The, uh, yeah. The styling on that dial is absolutely fantastic. So you guys can uh, have a look at that uh, in a bit. But uh, that's kind of all the questions I've had for you uh, so far. What's sorrow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much for, thank you. Uh, for answering those. But I'm sure there, there, there are probably some questions uh, uh, from our audience uh, today. Is there anyone that wants to, uh, to ask you a question? Yeah, so if I could, if I could just, just so everybody can hear it, I'm just going to throw that back out there. So it's a, it's a question about um, the threat of uh, smart devices on mechanical timepieces. Um, maybe not so much a threat. It's just. It's a constant challenge for us to, to, to create a product that people feel attracted to. doesn't matter kind of the age. Of course, uh, younger demographics, it's, it's different, different just approach-wise. But we've experienced that, that even though you have so much technology around, sometimes you want to escape it too. So if you, if you can, if, or if we are able to, to reach out and show that through Nomos you have an, a chance to kind of appreciate it more and, and take a step back from it, um, what better reason to not wear an iWatch than to wear Nomos, for example? That would be my take on it. So, and I, I quite have a, um, I did a speech at Facebook in, in July, for example, and, and there actually were a lot of them wearing an Nomos. So, you, you, you kind of have both. It's not, they're not, um, how do you say, like they don't take each other out. So you, you can still combine them. So hopefully. I'm, I'm finding too that it's, it's not that unusual for people to be wearing both at, this, you know, at the same time. So you'll have somebody wearing uh, an Apple Watch and then the watch they really like uh, on the other wrist. So um, I think one is purely for connectivity at that point, and the other is is then that that homage and that to to to, to that art that art piece that's on their wrist. Plus, it brings back uh, for a long time people were not even wearing anything. So now it, it, it brings back an attention to the wrist that there wasn't before. So, but, but now people are looking and, um, and then measuring too, what, what kind of timepiece are you wearing? Any more? Sure. Yeah, Kendall. Uh, not a question yeah. on Nomos, but a uh, question about the industry. Sure. So for independence, um, we're seeing um, challenges in the industry. So the Bethune was bought out was sold, thriving uh, as a larger one was sold. And so, what's your take on the independence, on the just industry of independence? Yeah. And where where do you see where the pitfalls? Yeah, yeah. And 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 people sell for different reasons, or so it's not necessarily a problem. But yeah. where where do you see the pitfalls as an independent, so that um, you, you you can escape these 
perhaps other pressures. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. I mean, um, it's the market is very controlled. I mean, you know, there are three big groups and and two big independents, and they control most of the market. And it's very hard for yourself as an independent to kind of find a, a niche or kind of a space for yourself. And that will always be a challenge. Um, what changed too is from the production. So before it was even difficult to get to get parts. So that was a big risk a couple of, yeah, not, not that long ago when Swatch Group says, hey, no more pieces. So that was a big challenge too because being independent, it means you have to invest all these for yourself. So, I mean, even the, the, the swing system for us, it was, I don't know if I do the conversion right, but it was about 18 million Canadian that we did uh, and invested without increasing prices so that we invested that up for the long term. So any independent has to fight with that. So that will continue being a challenge. Um, I think one of the threats, though, that has passed because the industry is, is a little shaky is that the risk of being bought out. So that has been calm a little bit, which is a good thing, I guess. Unless you were wanted to sell. <laughs> so building on that. Yeah. Um, ownership of Nomos, and uh, is it a family owned? Is there succession in the so it's um, it's it's um, a GmbH. Um, it means uh, so, um, and it's a KG. So it's a Kommanditgesellschaft, meaning that uh, the the family behind the 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 company is actually there with their own goods. So um, we don't have to publish like names or anything. But I can tell you, it's only five. Um, Five shareholders, and the main shareholder is—it's kind of my family. So, and uh, if I would have to say a crown prince, it's the CEO. It's Alec. It's um, Uwe. Uwe Arendt. It's his name. He has been with us for 17 years. So, if any succession, I would see it in that, that direction. So, private, limited company. Yeah. yeah. Nomos? Uh, so Nomos is a Greek name, um, and and my father, when he went through the records, he went to Glasut in, in 89, uh, just after the wall fell, and he went through the different records, because, you know, when you do a company, you have different options. Do you take an existing name? Do you do build on that? Or do you take a complete new name? And he found one name, and it was Nomos. So there existed a Nomos before. Um, it was the 1910s, and we don't have any relation to that company, but he liked the name because <laughs> the, the name Nomos means uh, kind of balance, order, right distribution. And the idea behind it is to, to say that he wanted a cool looking design that doesn't fade out of time and with a good quality movement in the back at a good price point. So those are the three things and they still guide us and that's why he liked the name. So that's where it comes from. <laughs> sure. And the SA, it's not for Society Anonymous or Anonymity, <laughs> it's for Saxony. So you see it also in other companies um, like Langen Söhne SA. Uh, we took it out of our logo because many confounders thought it was French. No. <laughs> Did you have to uh, choose a name that was from Glasshüte? No, you, you don't. Okay. Uh, though to have Glasshüte in the company name and on the dial, you have to produce there. So it's a uh, like champagne that can only come from one region, or Murano glass, or uh, ham, uh, parm, parm, yeah, <laughs> ham. So it's the different. You have to do it there. So it's, um, you need to do at least 50%, and hopefully there's, there's uh, changes to increase that. That would be ideal. Is that quite different to Switzerland? Well, they actually they, they did a cool thing a couple of years ago, and they increased the Swiss made from 50% to 60%. Um, but that's for Swiss made. So in Switzerland, then you still have different ones where they say Genève. So in some brands, you have Genève, similar to Glashütte. But they they have like their own quality stamps and different different processes in that direction. Mm -hmm. We have one that is Glashütte, and that applies to all the companies in Glashütte. Excellent. Sure. Any more? Yeah. Oh, what's your 
Oh, what's your favorite nomos? Um, well, you're asking probably the most biased one in the room, but um, I, I just bought the silver cut. So I just got the Metro, which I like a lot. Um, but it, it goes in phases. So sometimes now at the moment I'm wearing the, 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 the I don't know if you know the Welt side, the Waltimer. So, well, especially in the in your big country because you have so many time zones. I don't have that problem in Germany. But uh, so you can click around and go to the different time zones. But um, yeah, the the Ahoy I like a lot. Uh, actually, the smaller one, not the bigger one. So depends. Which one is yours? Ahoy for Ah, okay. <laughs> That's that's the challenge. That's the challenge. So yeah, but that's. That's a cool problem to have, though, because sometimes with, <laughs> because with companies, sometimes, uh, especially companies that do different products, you're like, oh, I like this, and but how could they do that? So if that, I like to hear that a lot because it means that, I mean, you might not like the Ludwig as much or the Tetra because it's square, but you still look at it and say, it looks good and looks nice. Not for me, but it looks nice. So it's important for me. Now you have limited editions as well. Yeah, gives an option to personalize. Yeah. So are there um, Nomos limited editions and then other limited editions, or so both? Um, the Doctors Without Borders is a Nomos limited edition. I actually brought one, but I, I can show it later. It's basically it has a red twelve and and black hands, and where it says made in Germany, it says Doctors Without Borders, and then in the back it has an engraving. So that was a limited edition kind of made from Nomos. But then we have sometimes we have corporate customers. So if they have a big company or even a smaller company that they say, I want to do something for my top clients or for maybe top employees or something. Or for uh, we do the watch for Siemens, for example. So you're going to have to work a long time at Siemens, but it's uh, 40, 40 years. If you work at Siemens, you get a Nomos. 40. 40. And 50, you get a gold Nomos. So, <laughs> but uh, times are changing. But still, they have, I think, 230,000 employees. Yeah. Uh, and so it's quite, quite a few that stay there a long time. But, and then... Yeah. Okay. I'm almost curious about the German perspective beyond Germany. So, since you're in the industry, and because watchmaking is so diverse now, I mean, there's definitely a lot in Switzerland. There's also a lot happening in Japan. Yeah. Some happening in China. So, you as a German, what, like, what, what brand or what country do you respect in terms of what they're trying to do? I, I wouldn't go by country. I would go more by the product itself. So if, if it's well made, and then we said touche, like awesome, perfect. Uh, the more, the better, because then you you kind of generate that interest in different countries as well. Um, that would be my take on it. Um, and definitely, like we wouldn't be where we were without the Swiss industry. Um, if you know Glashütte, there there are eleven companies in Glashütte. Uh, the biggest uh, Langen Söhne is owned by Richmond, which is Swiss, and then um, Glashütte Original is owned by Swatco. Um, the big foundation in Glashütte, there's a museum. It was done by Swatch Group as well. So we do thank a lot to to the Swiss um, to support the region and give that know-how as well. And as you mentioned, Japan, Grand Psycho does an amazing product um, with all the know-how, everything integrated. So that's, that's, a, that's awesome. So the more the better, from my perspective. <laughs> Healthy competition. <laughs> Any other questions? If not, or if you even have independent question or want to approach me, uh, other than that, I can pass a little bit the watches around so you guys can take a look. And anything you can think of, just let me know. It's fine. Easy evening. No. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Well, thank you. <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to start this off with you. Thank you. Thank you.